Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome back to the Omega Particle. We are glad to be back. We're coming at you on this Thursday night here in uh, podcast land. I think it's October 8th. And we're doing it completely live. We're on Instagram. Still trying to figure out Twitter. We're still trying to figure out Twitter. So since it's live, that means we can't edit it. So everything that you hear, every drink that I take, every random cycle is going to be in it. So this is unabashed uncut (laughs) OPP time. I haven't done these in a really long time. I just thought this would be fun to do um, to kind of get the ball back rolling. Um, Again, I'm putting out new content. Today, we're covering Lower Decks episodes five through seven. I'm really excited to do this. Lower Decks has definitely stepped up their game, but we're also going to cover some news. Just cover cover a little bit of news. Nothing crazy. Just a little Star Trek news because... Today, a bomb was dropped. A huge, fundamental bomb was dropped. And I was completely, can, can I say shocked? Is that, was that the right word, Luna? Shocked? Was I flabbergasted? Was my mind boobled? Sorry. <laughs> I am currently running on like three hours of sleep. Um, the life of a accountant by day, freelance accountant by night, and it just got crazy, so um, had a cover for some people. So I am going on minimal sleep, and at the advice of my most precious loved ones, I am not going to sleep. I'm going to record an episode, and I'm going to post it tonight. So if you hear my incoherent rambling ramblings, just be prepared. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for coming to the show. That is a very long intro than normal. Um, I'm happy to have you guys here. It's been, it's been a little bit, but I'm happy to be back. Like I said, work has been nuts, but that's not an excuse not to have fun. I love being behind the microphone and thank you all again for the warm, warm reception of having my good friends, Alan and Jason on the show. Man, that was a lot of fun. We're definitely going to do it probably in November. So, uh, if Alan's out on his walk, cause he's an old man, um, I don't, are you going to... I don't know what that what that means, but uh, he's probably listening to this. So I'd love to have him back in November to do kind of a fun, um, another deep intro to Star Trek, a good episode, nothing crazy like head explosions. Anyway, I digress again. We are um, happy to be back and um, yeah, we'll cover some news, cover some um, events, big events that happened today, but also we're going to go into the three episodes of lower deck so be prepared for that it's gonna be fun so let's just get the ball rolling i've talked in circles enough let's roll into the news and reviews so normally you don't plug other podcasts but that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. Um, I do not know anybody that is putting this podcast on, but if you are a fan of comedy, if you are a fan 
of good-natured improv, then I have a podcast for you. And I assume since you're listening to the Omega Particle that you like Star Trek. (laughs) Then if not, why are you here? Anyway, um, there's a new Star Trek podcast called The Pod Directive. And guess who's on it? Paul F. Tompkins. Yes, the one and only from such hits as BoJack Horseman to Comedy Bang Bang. That's where I know him the most is from Comedy Bang Bang. Um, And he's on it. He's going to be interviewing celebrities that love Trek. And I thought that was such a cool concept. Just just bring out those tent poles, get the fan base bigger, and kind of not hide our Trek fandom. Because, I mean, that's why I started this podcast. Like, I really didn't have that many people to go to, to talk to. And I was like, I have a lot of ideas, and this will be a lot of fun. And so here we are. <laughs> and, um, I mean, the first couple guests is like Ben Stiller and Stacey Abrams. And Stacey Abrams, if you don't know who she is, she came this close <laughs> to winning the governor for Georgia. So um, anyway, um, I really, I've listened to the first couple episodes. They're great, really funny stuff. I highly recommend it if you like Trek. And doesn't, I mean, I don't know why people don't do that. I mean, we we're fun, loving people, podcast community. So just everyone, I mean, it's not like we have infinite hours, but you can listen to more than one podcast. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, so this is actually a really cool story because I know the movie industry is kind of just up in arms right now. They just closed my local theater, um, on Wednesday and I can't, I mean, there's, I don't know the next time I'm going to see a movie. Um, there's talks that Wonder Woman's going to go on streaming and that James Bond's delayed till 2021. So it's just like, well, I got some good news and some little rumor mill things for Star Trek four. Now to me, the Star Trek movie is like, no pun intended, light years away because it's just with the pandemic. However, Paramount Pictures, who owns the Star Trek franchise, has said they want to bring in a very high-named actress, big time. I'm talking bigly, big time. (laughs) And they want to bring in Jennifer Lawrence. Now, I don't really have really strong or negative feelings against that. I think she's a great actress. Why not? And but that's not what makes it cool. They want to bring her in to play number one. Now, if you're not an original series fan, number one is well, number one for Captain Pike. She was the OG number one on the original series, and right now she's being played by Rebecca Romaine Stamos, or is it just Rebecca Romaine? I don't know, but um, she's being played by that actress right now on um star trek discovery so it is actually going to be maybe like a a prequel or a tie-in to the os series so i think that would be really cool to see number one back on the screen and they haven't talked about if it's a reboot or not no one really is sure but i think that would be a neat idea to kind of bring in the whole spectrum of the enterprise, maybe like kind of a strange new worlds type of movie, but just a little, little rumor mill. Don't know if there's anything in it or not. Maybe there is, maybe there's not, who knows today. What the heck was that? Somebody like skidded out. Um, anyway, I'm not drinking or smoking anything today. I'm going clean. 
um, drinking alcohol, should I say. I'm going clean. Just have a Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. <laughs> so moving on to Discovery is that there have been a lot of talk because Discovery is coming out um, next Thursday, believe it or not. We're getting Discovery Season 3, Episode 1, which we're super excited about. And yes, we'll be reviewing those as well. Um, but what I loved is what Anthony Rapp has said about Season 3 and how they're going to explore the themes of family and the family dynamics. Um, because, I mean, we've definitely delved into that with Spock and Burnham and their sibling relationship. But but think about this, like in major spoiler alert, if you haven't listened or haven't listened, if you haven't watched Discovery Season 2, make sure you watch it before you listen to this next sentence. Um, I mean, they had to, when they got transported into the future by 900 years, they... I mean, how to leave all their family behind. So now the crew is going to be coming together. It's going to have a different dynamic than we have before in the past two seasons where it's just kind of been Burnham focused. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited to kind of see how that develops and how that's going to grow. And it kind of, to me, symbolized what the future of the show is going to be. Is this not going to be all Burnham all the time? I mean, of course, she's one of the main character, but it's going to be able to divulge and, to me, that's when you, the really great tracks like TNG and DS9, where they can kind of just push out into these secondary or even third like tier characters and really flesh them out and then make the whole series stronger. So I'm happy and that kind of gives me confidence as Discovery headed in the right direction. And if you don't like that, then don't subscribe to CBS All Access or Paramount Plus, whatever it's called now. <laughs> and um, a fun fact about Discovery is that Jonathan Frax has said that he wants to come back and record. I mean, not record. He wants to come back and direct a couple episodes again. So he's a great director, a great Trek director, one of the best in my opinion. So to have him back will be great. And um, speaking of Trek people coming back, today we were kind of this like, blown away if i can be honest in the trek community i did not expect this and i don't think anybody else did either um okay so a little backstory there's a show called um that star trek promoted i think earlier this year and it was called like star trek prodigy and it was on nickelodeon and we knew zero about it we had no idea and so today on instagram because i'm on instagram a lot and twitter a lot um we, we just see Alex Kurtzman talk about Prodigy and all of a sudden he's like, well, and we wanted the captain, we wanted to bring this person in the perfection and the kind of like the quality that we wanted in the show. And, and they're bringing back Captain Janeway. Hold on to your butts. Here we go. I am beyond excited to bring back my opinion. One of the best captains. She was great in Voyager. Um, and, Talk about a difficult situation to lead people through. You're 75 years away from Earth. And she got and she got him home. She did the job. She did the job. And I'm excited to kind of, I really don't know what the show's going to be about. I guess it's Prodigy, like they're bringing in like younger cadets. Maybe she's at the Academy. Maybe I know she was an admiral in the movies. So we're kind of just going to maybe hopefully flesh her out a little bit more, which I'm super pumped about because we have these great actors and actresses in the Star Trek universe. Let's use them. Like it's a, I'm, I'm of the mind. It's okay to fan service. If you make the fans happy, 
what's wrong with that? You know, like I, I mean, to the point where it's like, okay, don't be annoying with it. Like lower decks, like I want quality content, of course, but you can make things that the fans like. Just saying. So I'm happy she's back. I think we're all uh, pretty excited. So um, it kind of took everyone by surprise. So who knows who else is coming back? We might see, I mean, everybody knows if you're in the loop in the Trek world, I mean, Cisco ain't coming back. Um, Brooks is very, I think, I think last time I heard he was teaching at um, Rutgers University. He's a professor there. So I, I think he's done. Like, I think he's done with the Star Trek world, but you never know. Avery, Bo- Avery Brooks could come back and I hope he does because he is my ultimate babies. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're, we're done with the news now. So we're going to transition into the review portion. And um, again, if you're still listening, I appreciate it. And thank you for that. And um, <laughs> this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm going to probably never go back and listen to these episodes because they terrify me. Because I just have to be on one continuous stream since we're not um, editing these. But it's a lot of fun because you can kind of just, it's more natural, I think, you know. <laughs> anyway, so um, moving on to episode five of Star Trek Lower Decks, um, Cupid's Errant Arrow. Um, and again, just filler. I'm not going to go moment by moment to be like, this, when they were walking down the hallway, was cool. I thought it meant, like, no, I'm going to deal with major themes of it. You've already seen it. There's no point to, to kind of like remind you of it um, personally, because also the plots aren't super complex like that. We'll definitely deal with like in discovery or that we've dealt with in Picard before where you kind of have to rehash it a little bit, but lower decks, it's more, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. It's a comedy show. It's not really too in depth, but with just five episodes in, I feel like Lower Decks is already risking some of the experimentation with its own format. And I and I think that's a good thing. Um, with the whole episode of Cupid's Air and Arrow, it was kind of like it told parallel stories that all had the same background, which was this moon was going to crash into this planet and they all... And so that was the overall background, but it definitely had that Pulp Fiction, Love Actually kind of vibe. We had multiple characters dealing with the situation and I thought that was a lot of fun. It was really cool. And plus, we got to see a DS9 reference. Um, I think she was a Quarks. Mariner was a Quarks. And, um, but, I don't know if everyone caught this, a Trip Tucker reference. They're pulling an Enterprise out of the bag. I mean, if you haven't watched it, go back and listen. It's very quick. Um, he, I think it's Boimer? Yeah, um, mentions Trip Tucker. But I was like, oh my gosh. So they do know about the NX-01 Enterprise. And that's like straight old school. Shout out to UPN. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, the plot involves this imploding moon and it was holding everybody together in these reoccurring themes. And um, the whole episode is about, or one of the epi- s- snippets of the episode is about Mariners. He's investigating Boimler's girlfriend. And um, in a true platonic way, because she thinks, mm, who are you? I don't trust you. Are you some alien? And so the whole time she's like trying to scan her and, Um, but it's kind of funny because you finally see this platonic love between Mariner and Boimler come out and she's like, he is, he's a dork, but he's my dork. So I was like, okay, so they're establishing that foundation and that relationship. And that's the most I got out of this episode. I'm like, okay, we're here. I think this episode needed to happen to kind of set that boundary 
for future deeper episodes, hopefully. And I think they do in the future. And moving on, but we hear about Tendi and Rutherford. And they were kind of flirting with the USS Vancouver. And it was the sexy ship. It was the new kid on the block. You know what I mean? And when you have an old beat up Cerritos, where it's just kind of like that smoky smell, I think um, it was referred to. And it's, so they're kind of tempted with, okay, maybe I can transfer on to the Vancouver. Am I going to do that? They have all these new T-89s and no, that's not a calculator. (laughs) And so that's another snippet of the episode, which was very cool. And and one of my most heartfelt moments coming up is is that kind of, storyline whether that's the a or the b it's it's one of the good ones and um but also you see captain freeman kind of reclaim her love and her role in starfleet because the prior episodes i was talking about how she said i'm embarrassed this is we're not the best who cares they're dogging us man and now she's like no we're doing great we're awesome she's being a legitimate leader so I like the transition and kind of the evolution of that. And then she's not going to just going to be this one track Debbie Downer wah, wah, about the Cerritos that she's like, okay, that was a one-time frustration, hopefully. And we can kind of move on to be a good leader and, and prop up the people around her. And this is, in my opinion, one of the cool aspects of the, of episode five is, um, is that it shows the character of the ship now not oh that house has great character or that uh living room has great character why am i keep using house references (laughs) anyway um the actual like character character like in the in the show and it's reflected by the uss vancouver which kind of felt like it was a sovereign like upgrade compared to the shiritos it was better in every possible way it was just it was just the the tops compared to the shiritos And, but, and, but great. (laughs) But we learn in that that there's another theme, which is that heartfelt theme I mentioned. That's about loving yourself and about accepting who you really are and then being okay with that and loving that while still trying to work better, but still accepting that. And I think that's what they do. And I mean, they make, I think Tendi even makes reference like, okay, she shakes and creaks and moans at warp seven, but, I mean, it's not super glamorous being on this kind of second tier or even third tier level of a ship, but we don't have to deal with the pressure of being a hero and constantly have death like swinging above you like a pendulum like you do on the Vancouver or these bigger ships. So I liked how it showed a different side to Starfleet that it's like, hey, remember remember your first car? It wasn't great. Um, mine was like the air conditioning was terrible and and the air conditioning was terrible and it always made this weird noise and it didn't actually drive very well the the steering wheel shook because the alignment was off it was a nightmare however it was actually one of my most beloved things of my life because it was my true sense of freedom as a 16 17 year old and to me i think that i'll love that car more than any other car i get for the rest of my life and so I think that's kind of what the the attitude is about the Cerritos 
with our main characters. It's kind of like, look, she's not the best. She's not the fastest, but she's ours. And we love her for all her imperfections because what she represents in our life. And I think that's what they were going for in this episode. And I think it, I think they nailed it. And you don't get me wrong. The episode overall was great. Um, I liked how they kept the same pace and the writing was really well. Um, didn't fall off at all. And the director, Kim, oh, I'm going to butcher this last name. Kim aren't, aren't, <laughs> um, it was definitely dialed differently and it wasn't really a family comedy. Nana it was dialed up for an action comedy. And that was perfect because we kind of had that family comedy the first four episodes and this one was like, no, it's action. So it was good to have that. But, um, and then Communities, um, six season in the movie, Jillian Jacobs played great. His boy was girlfriend. It was a great addition to um, a guest star because I didn't know it was her until like maybe the last couple minutes. I was like, wait a minute. I know that voice. So they're bringing in quality people. So overall, episode five was, it, to me, it's when it's lower deck starts to hit its stride. It's like, boom, we're rolling. We're shaking. We're moving now. So I was happy with it. And um, I would love to hear your guys' opinion. Yeah, definitely reach out. We're on Twitter, Megaparticle underscore Instagram at Megaparticle Podcast. Feel free to reach out and um, debate and talk because I know lower decks is still kind of controversial for some reason, y'all. Don't know why. Anyway, so let's digress and let's move straight into episode six, Terminal Provocations. And if you listen to the prior review episode of Lower Decks, you know that I had this big issue with, is it going to be a, a family show? Or is it going to be Rick and Morty-esque adult swim type of show? Like, what is it going to be? What you gonna choose? And to me, they definitely chose the freaking Rick and Morty plot line. <laughs> because to me, this was the ep- favorite episode of the series so far. And I've seen the whole series because the season finale came out today. Yeah, October 8th. So favorite episode of the series. Um, and they answered it with a resounding Adult Swim, Rick and Morty. And I loved it because... It gave each of the set of characters a familiar Star Trek plot, but it was different spins to make it fresh. And it was fun to weave those stories in together as opposed to just being kind of that cyclical capsule type of show. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it just felt more familiar because it leaned on the sci-fi plots, even though we've seen these things like, holodeck malfunctions before and many times it was kind of like a whatever but this actually turned into a personal character building moment for rutherford and tindy and i can just say right now mother effing badgie <laughs> um i think the voice is the guy from kenneth from 30 rock i forget the dude's name i think his first name is jack but i think that's who who voiced badgie and i thought he was hilariously homicidal (laughs) um that's when i knew like when he was ripping limbs off and he was just going bananas i was like okay i'm perfectly happy with this this is great they picked a lane boom and they're running with it and i mean i mean he was funny and they could have stuck with that they could have stuck with badgie being this murderer crazy holodeck malfunction but they actually show like a tragedy to him as well like he had no 
like worth. I feel like he just was kind of just this machine and, and he was he self-aware. I definitely think so as a holodeck program. So that's another can of worms with Star Trek plots, but it was in a fresh, different way and it wasn't down your throat. So, um, I mean, I think Bolmler even mentions like a Moriarty scenario with Badgie. And I was like, mm, hitting all the right spots, lower deck. That's what I want to hear. Um, that great, 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 great fun. But, um, and if you haven't seen, I, if I was going to recommend one episode of Lower Decks, it'd probably be episode six. Like it was that, to me, it was that good. But um, moving on from Badgy, because I know we could talk all day about him. The Boimler Mariner storyline was, it was still a lot of fun. Now it wasn't as much fun as Badgy because that was just pure chaos, but it was still a lot of fun. It was still a lot of fun. And, and it evolved. I mean, the to me, it wasn't really that exciting compared to Badgy, the evolving, insecure, computer core type of attitude. And then you have Fletcher, and who was voiced by Tim Robinson. I mean, he did a good job, and he was funny, but it was kind of an unneeded, how did I phrase this? An unneeded funhouse mirror to hold up against Mariner to prove that she belonged on this raid host. That's a lot in that same as own packet. So... Yeah, he he definitely showed. Okay, this is where he belonged, and now we she it's setting the table again. Lower Deck does a fantastic job writing. It's setting the table for the lessons in Episode Seven. Now, if you've already seen Episode Seven, you know what I'm talking about, and we'll cover that in the review. So I, I love how it's kind of setting that up to be revealed about Mariner's character and why she's the way she is and why she's so lackadaisical about Starfleet. So. Again, it was oh, it was funny. It was fun, but not as much fun as Batch. So, and it kind of proved Mariner needs to be on the Serratos. Um, But, I mean, it also broke, in my opinion, broke a basic rule of storytelling because it had so much dialogue about Boimler and Mariner and their relationship. Now, we just came from that, from episode, was it episode five? Yeah episode five and they're like, okay, he's my door platonic love type of thing. And now they're building on that again. And I, I thought it was just kind of, yeah, like I said before, excessive, like it really wasn't needed. We kind of got that hash before the last episode. Um, but it's okay. I mean, no, nothing can be perfect, but that was, if I had to do any flack about episode six, that would be it. Um, but it, I mean, it kept the meta moments really great and the references to a good balance. It wasn't overwhelming. And it weaved into the story very well. And then, um, I mean, you gotta, you gotta ask. I have to ask Luna. Do I have to? I got to do it. Why, in God's green earth, did they not bring in Mister Jonathan Frax, William Thomas Riker, when they brought in the USS Titan? I mean, that is his mother trucking ship. Why didn't they just give a little reference, a little cameo? He don't got to speak. He can just be in the chair. I mean, this show just crams the references and meta stuff down our throat. This has been a great opportunity to kind of get those old TNG fans looped in. And I think they missed it. But at the end of the day, it's not its not like it's going to make or break the episode. And it didn't. It just would have been a really cool kind of fan servicing. And, and to put it in perspective, the timeline is that Lower Decks is set one year after Star Trek Nemesis. So Riker is in charge of the Titan. So just 
for all my uh, fact checkers out there. Just that is what's up, y'all. And I mean, like I said, continues to prove that it can be a flexible comedy with action, with adult humor, and also some family storylines, which is fine. And um, yeah, I think it's just a natural part and progression of the franchise, which I'm happy about. I think we all should be happy about. <laughs> um, so moving on to episode seven, we're just going to quit gunfire. Pew, 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 pew. Um, it's, it's midnight now. <laughs> so I'm going on like 20 hours of, of being awake. Yay. <laughs> anyway, episode seven, much ado about Boimler. Um, really great. Like I said before in the fat in the previous two review episodes, they're kind of setting the table for this revelation. They're kind of setting the table for what's going to happen, what's moving, what's going, what's shaking. And now we finally see that. And that is why is Boimler, not Boimler, why is Mariner the way Mariner is? And I think this was really great because normally all of the Lower Decks episodes are very self-contained. They're very capsulized. There's no massive serialization. There's no overarching narrative. I mean, you could argue that the character development and the character's relationships are, and they it grow and extend by each episode, but that, that would be the extent of that. However, there's been a question nagging me throughout the whole first seven episodes because you see blips through Mariner. And is Mariner good at her job by accident? Or is Mariner occasionally bad on purpose? And we finally learn the answer to this troubling, troubling question. <laughs> um, the majority of this episode deals with Boimler being quote-unquote phased out and getting sent to this recovery colony called the farm and it is kind of set up and I know I'm taking a hard left here. I'm just kind of getting the story B line out of the way. And he kind of sets this up for this controversy. There is no farm. He's on this ship forever with all these freaks and we're all going to die out here and we need a mutiny. But then lower decks again, flips on his head and is like, no, the farm's real. It's actually really great. And Boimler's fixed. And I mean, there's real, it's just empty calories. Was it entertaining? Absolutely. Were there great references? Absolutely. But didn't really develop anything. It was just kind of like, nah, cool. That was fun. <laughs> All right. So it's kind of like the McDonald's of it. And that's fine. Um, because I think, again, the A storyline about Mariner is so much better. And that's kind of where the whole focus went, in my opinion, um, about the episode. So we know that her friend from the academy that she went to the academy with is now being the temporary captain of the Cerritos. And she's a captain and Mariner's an ensign. And so again, why is she an ensign? So back in the first episode, second contact, Boimler balks at the idea that Mariner has seen some stuff and, and he's like, aren't we the same age, bruh? <laughs> and even episode five, Mariner's flashback kind of muddies the water a little bit more, implying maybe she's been an ensign longer than she's implying and longer than we actually think. And it, to me, it doesn't really matter how old Ramsey and Mariner are. Ramsey's the temporary captain and Mariner's friend. Because um, it only proves one thing, is that a person that's at the same stage as 
Mariner, when they got out of the academy, is now a captain. So that's kind of like you graduate college with somebody and now they're a U.S. senator and you're hanging out selling insurance. <laughs> so it's kind of like, what happened? Like, why is there such a big difference? And why is one booming in the career and one is just kind of hanging out? And because we know that, I mean, Mariner's been in Starfleet long enough to be promoted, to climb that rank, and she stays permanently demoted. Lower decks, lower decks, like she was chanting. She takes pride in that. And we already knew this, but this episode, again, just drives it home. And it's kind of really sad because the answer, the answer is somewhat simple and kind of heartfelt. Is that Mariner has sabotaged, Mariner has sabotaged her own career simply because she doesn't want the responsibility. She doesn't want every time she talks to her mom or every every time she talks to one of the Boimler attendees, she's like, "Well, I don't want to be the same old thing and strapped in and day in day out. I just want to have my freedom and kind of just kind of have fun and not really be overwhelmed with stress and." I mean, who can argue with that? Like, if it makes you happy, who can argue with that? You know, you can't say one is bad and one is good. Career path, because if the person's fulfilled and happy and doing what they want, like, then that's all that matters to them, right? Like, who are we to judge? Like, well, no, that's bad and that's good. Um, I mean, even if you look in the 24th century, Starfleet is supposed to be this tolerant, egalitarian like paradise but it still places values on winners it still places value on people that climb the ladder and do the work so i mean in boimler i'm not boimler mariner kind of makes that argument like if i was going to do this it would be a pain in my butt like i'm probably going to die i'm going to have to go on crazy away missions and do outlandish things to get noticed and then hopefully i'll get promoted and then I, it may be over in just a blink of an eye. So why live that life under that stress of the butt of the gun and just kind of chill, do second contact on the Serratos, kind of hang out with my friends and just be lower deck. And I mean, there's a TNG episode, one of the greatest called Tapestry. And Picard talks about how if he wasn't stabbed in the heart by that, was it a Bolian? I don't know. If he, Picard wasn't stabbed in the heart, that he would have turned out to be just lowly statistician, afraid to take risk, and never would have made it to command. And and he called it kind of a dreary man and a tedious job, that he really wasn't living. But however, maybe Picard's a little wrong. I mean, after all, there's a big difference between being good at your job and being careerist who forgets to enjoy their life. And Mariner may not be the example of Starfleet and the example of the perfect Starfleet officer, but she might be the best example of what most of us would be if we were really in Starfleet. Boom. You're welcome. (laughs) No, uh, just kidding. Just playing. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a lot to unpack. Like, to me, just personally, and I know this is going to sound really terrible, <laughs> but I've only ever cared about the money and when it comes to career. 
I mean, yeah, title career comes great, but especially with freelancing in my career, why would I climb the ladder, do all this stress, do all this undertaking just to be making as much to be making less money than I'm making now. But I enjoy my life, enjoy my job, and I work with very interesting people from all over around the world. So why would I give that up for titles? And that's just me. Like I'm a 32-year-old man, or I'm sorry, 31-year-old man. And to me, that's 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 what it's about. Spending time with my family, spending time with my friends, having that kind of loose, flexible lifestyle so I can do things, like have a podcast. So, I mean, this has turned into a deep philosophical mirror of an OPP episode that's supposed to be kind of free and light. And it's live on Thursday night. <laughs> but um, still, it, it raises good questions. And that's what, I, that's what I think Star Trek and sci-fi is at its best, is when it holds up a mirror to society and makes us reflect on what we are and where we're going in life. And I think that's what this episode did because it made me think, what do I want? Do I want to chase that? Do I want to do that? Sure. But what's the benefit? Pride? Maybe. And am I, eh, don't get me wrong. Am I open to that stuff? Absolutely. But at the same time, why do all that work to make less money? That's my thing. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for joining us today. I know this has been a lot. You're like, what the heck? It's going to free and Badgie's pulling people's arms off. And now we're getting a philosophical careerist versus living your life and being being true to yourself. But anyway, that's been the news and reviews on this Thursday Night Live. Let's roll it out. Again, thank you so much for listening. I've had a joy um, being here and talking with you guys tonight. Um, I know this episode ran a little long. That's okay. We covered three episodes and some news. Like it's going to take some time, y'all. Um, it's good to be back again. Um, I want to say thank you so much. We passed, I think, 1,100 on Twitter. Is that right, Luna? Yeah, we we passed 1,100 followers on Twitter. Um, we're growing like hotcakes. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> so um, again, you can reach us out on Twitter at particle underscore and Instagram at particle podcast. Um, love talking to you guys on there. It's great. Um, all those friendships and fans interacting with you guys. And um, also, on the DL, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. You ready for this? You ready for this? Okay, I'm going I'm to whisper right here. We're actually going to be developing an OPP app. Oh, what? Yeah, you can do that. We're going to be developing that. Why am I still whispering? <laughs> We're going to, um, so it's just easier. So you can just download it and boom, straight to your phone. It'll have my Twitter locked into it. And then boom, you have the episodes right there. So if you don't know if you want to do Apple or Spotify or what, I thought it was really cool. I had a great, um, company get plugged in together and we're going to, we're going to do this. So, um, be on the lookout for that. I'll definitely keep plugging it. And don't forget, we still have our, um, Klingon episodes coming out. So Klingon episode will be out this Sunday. It'll be part dos, numero doso. I took four years of Spanish. Well, um, it'll be, it'll be part two, um, definitely devolving more into the Klingons. And then, um, again, we're going to be doing lower decks episodes. 
um, on this. We have some cool stuff coming at the end of the month. I'm really excited about a couple uh, um, different takes, kind of getting back into those random episodes. Like we're going to talk about Star Wars or Star Trek crossover. Good idea or bad idea. It's the hot topic because that stupid Uber Eats commercial just flared everybody up. <laughs> and then also we're going to have a, Right before Halloween, maybe a little spooky. It was a little spooky episode talking about the best scary episodes of Star Trek. So I'm really pumped for that. That's on the schedule for the end of the month. Um, Again, thank you so much for listening. Be safe out there. I am currently quarantining um, as your quarantine anchorman of the Federation. Um, We took our COVID test on Tuesday. Hopefully we're getting it back sometime soon. Um, Yeah, so uh, we've had mild symptoms, nothing to really go crazy about, but we're just trying to do our duty and be right just in case we are, um, got the Rona, (laughs) but anyway, be safe out there, guys, wear them flipping mask and always remember second star on the right straight on till morning.